Wade. And I'm Chris, also known as Worm with Y. If you want to look me up, I guess. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and this is Expand Universe, your home for all things Star Wars Legends. And as you can hear, we're joined by, joined by Chris today. Hello, Chris. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Uh, but yeah, so uh, we're, we're doing we're, we're covering the Crystal Star today, uh, which is a 1994 book by Vonda in McIntyre. Uh, that is uh, pretty. Uh, it's it's fair to say it's pretty contentious amongst you know Star Star Wars fans across the globe. I I tweeted yesterday when I was uh, doing background research for this that people are uh, officially mad online about it. They are extremely <laughs> mad online. Yes, they're. they're a lot of people are definitely very mad online about it in a way that is like maybe a little bit over the top. Yeah, which I think. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's the internet. And like people are. I mean, it's Star Wars. Being being performatively mad about Star Wars is like a, a national pastime. Yeah, we're calling you out, Gary Butterfield. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's okay. He'll never listen to this anyway. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> I was more thinking about like you know the prequels and stuff, but yeah. Oh yeah, sure. Also, yeah. Gary. But yeah, like more more or less like just everybody on the internet being performatively mad about Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and uh I guess I think I'm the first person on the show who like has been who has an experience with the expanded universe before doing this podcast, right? Yeah, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure you are. Wow. That's weird. Um cuz yeah, n- n- none of the previous guests had read any of the books, I don't think. Man. Yeah, yeah. I, I specifically this uh, post Return of the Jedi Bantam Spectra continuity period, like b- mm-hmm. from from about here to when the Yuuzhan Vong show up and the new New Jedi Order books. Like I read pretty much the large majority of these, and uh, they were a lot of uh, a lot of what I uh, really enjoyed about the the Star Wars uh, universe. Yeah, and I, f- I feel like that's like kind of like the thing for a Star Wars fan of a certain vintage. Yeah, maybe. If you were born around the time where, and like growing up around the time that these books were coming out, like these books like meant a lot to you as a Star Wars fan. Like they were, they were like what Star Wars was for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I mean, th- that that doesn't surprise me. You know, like that that you as someone who likes Star Wars, like you you got into these books the same way that i did and like that was you know this is this is this is what star wars was to me this is what it, this is what star wars meant to me was reading all of these books all the time yeah pretty much did you play knights of the old republic brian were you planning on doing I that for did. the show at some point actually uh yes i do i do want to do it for the show at some point yeah because i think that, that was is, a big that is one a large too. undertaking uh yeah like knights of the old republic i think i think that roped a lot of people into the expanded universe too mm-hmm. like that was a really successful game yeah, I, uh, I I definitely felt like that that there were like there were like kind of like flashpoints where it feel felt like Star Wars was like kind of like more in the zeitgeist, and that was definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and kind of specifically regarding the Crystal Star, it's kind of funny to be doing this one because this was okay. I I I don't think these are like like made up memories and my best <laughs> my best uh efforts to figure out my personal history this was the first bit of the star wars expanded universe i ever saw i'm okay. pretty That's sure amazing. i picked up a copy of this novel short like a year after seeing episode one 
which would mean okay. I was ten. Yeah. This novel is not a sci-fi adventure for ten-year-olds, really. No, it is not. <laughs> it's really not. Uh, and I did not try any more of the Star Wars Expanded Universe for a while after this, because it's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, this is a very strange book. Like, it is definitely not, like, a typical... I actually, I read, um... I read a lot of people, like... Uh, I, I spent a lot of time reading reviews on this book after I after I finished up my reread of it. Um... And a theme that I came back to a lot, like that, that a lot of people brought up, was that like it kind of feels like a Star Trek story more than anything. Well, well, with Waru, I was thinking yeah. more the Doctor was the one that okay, jumped yeah, out sure. to me. Like, you know, big, you know, big, vaguely eldritch monster from another dimension that like you know eats people's life force. Totally reads like a Doctor Who story to me. Yeah, and that that could like the 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 Star Trek uh, reference may just well be like a I was reading a lot of American people's opinions. Yeah, and so they would have more of a Star Trek more more of a mind for Star Trek than Doctor Who specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, that uh, was just it, it was really interesting because like she has written uh, Vonda McIntyre has written Star Trek novels as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. When I was looking at it, she did the novelization for the Wrath of Khan, Search for Spock, and Voyage Home. And like, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I, I actually didn't look up what specific ones that she wrote. I just saw that she had written some. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, kind of curious. Uh, I mean, she's got. She's like a Hugo Nebula winning author, so mm-hmm. you know. I've I've been thinking about tra- uh, tracking down. Um, maybe what I I think she won those awards for a, a novel called Dream Snake. I was thinking about looking it up and trying okay, it because yeah. I'm, I'm actually I'm looking at her uh, her Wikipedia page right now, and I can confirm that Dream Snake is a book that she wrote. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, but um, so you know, she's an author outside of this but uh yeah and from from what i could gather like pretty well respected as an author outside of this mm-hmm. yeah i think uh, I mean, like one, of the, one of hugo one of the things that real will really jump out at anyone who's like read multiple like if if you're like in the star wars expanded universe like if if you're in the know basically god that that I feel like the worst right now. But um, <laughs> there are a lot of a- types of aliens that show up in this novel that just aren't really Star Wars aliens. Yeah, I mean, they're just they're straight up like a centaur, right? And like werewolves. I mean, the centaur didn't jump out to me as much as like the... Um, like there's the one that's like a shimmer of light over a fountain. And then there's oh, the... Oh, the, the succubus that, no, no, that the, flirts with Han? That, okay, those are weird too. But I was talking more <laughs> about the hotel clerk. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And the guy that they pay, and the guy who is like a bunch of tentacles in a big pit of sand and muck, who mm-hmm. they get information from at some point. Like, those are yeah. really atypical for Star Wars aliens. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of weird aliens in this book. Um, and like like you said, like, aliens that just don't exist outside of this book. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of interesting because, like, uh, this this book was written a few years into, like, the, the Bantam Spectre timeline, so it's... It, I wonder how much leeway she had, mm-hmm. like to just you know make up whatever she wanted because there's so much stuff like <laughs> it's just, it just kind of scattered. I, I mean, someone also mentions the anti force at some point, which I was curious <laughs> if it was going to show up in any other continuity. No, no one ever uses that concept in any Star Wars fiction ever again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which uh, um, is kind of understandable because like the force is already like 
has two opposing concepts, so having like this other opposing concept <laughs> is like maybe like uh, maybe a strange yeah, and choice. It's, and it's kind of it's kind of described as like basically like it's it's what binds together a, an extra dimensional universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which is pretty strange in and of itself. <laughs> but but yeah, this is uh, point being. This is an unusual novel to pick up as like a Star Wars expanded universe novel. I think like yeah. a few years later, I w- I uh, ended up reading Heir to the Empire, and like kind of that was what like got me into it. And like I read a lot of them yeah, after sure. that. Then revisited Crystal Star years later, and was like, oh, you know, I I, I saw what I didn't see before. Like you know, mm-hmm. there's a I-, I think there's a lot to like about this one. Like I, I like how it I like I really like how McIntyre approaches these characters and what their lives are like. Like ten years yeah. after they've had the you know their last uh, their last big heroic battle, essentially. Yeah, and like one of the things that like specifically in this book, like it's I think this is the first book where we get like a lot of characterization of the solo kids. Yeah, yeah. It's also uh, it's kind of yeah their first time to shine too. Yeah, and like it's 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 interesting how like the things that she characterized about them like it went on to like really like be important character points for them like throughout the entire series. Mm-hmm. Like this is where we first see that Jaina is like good with like mechanical well, mechanical stuff. And J- this is where we first see that like Jaina, Jason is Jaina does machines. She is the Donatello. Yeah, and Jaina, um... Jaina does machines. <laughs> <laughs> and like we see that Jason is like really good with animals. And they there's even a bit where like Anakin like glows with the Force. Uh, and Anakin is uh, he is Force Gohan. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that, a, they established that here. Good way to describe him. <laughs> And uh, yeah, they'll they'll pretty much keep those characterizations uh, throughout the throughout the rest of the series. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I and feel as, like as the, someone who the, Jaina Solo is like one of my favorite characters in the expanded universe. Oh like, yeah, it totally. Was nice to see, like that was that's actually one of the things. Like okay, in uh, the new continuity, it bugs me that there is not a Jaina Solo anymore. <laughs> Like I guess I mean, Ray might it might be Ray Ray might be Jaina Solo okay but like uh, I liked Jaina more than Ray yeah Jaina Jaina was always my favorite uh or one of my favorite at the very least uh expanded universe characters mm-hmm. so yeah like for sure like not having the Jaina to to and especially like the Jaina to balance out Jason mm-hmm. in Ben like yeah totally we've really got to have that at some point right. Uh yeah yeah I mean she's she was always kind of like the she's like the relatable grounded one yeah it's, and um yeah I, and I, Jason's always kind of been like a like a brain case a little bit <laughs> yeah even in this a little bit like he's just he, yeah he just is a he's weirder than uh, his sister which I mean I think that's also like it's definitely like that that is affected a little bit by that you don't really there aren't any like Jason point of view yeah chapters or anything i mean yeah it just you in, get a lot of jaina point of view just in general about the novel uh there's narration from four characters uh jaina uh leia and han's daughter han himself um freaking leia for, yeah wait i thought i started with no yeah i, I didn't start with leia <laughs> leia and then tigress who is a new character is introduced here and jaina yes. and leia get like by far the large part of the narration and speaking of the narration, let's uh well we're still kind of talking about generalities. Um 
I want to ask you something because I read this. I read this uh, as an ebook uh, on my Kindle, mm-hmm. and I know that you read the physical copy because you're still reading yeah. your copy that you had for I, years. Yeah, I've got my 17 year old copy here. It's one of the <laughs> the older things I own, honestly. Um, were there a lot of like paragraph changes of point of view where there was no paragraph break between? Uh, no, no, there's always a, yeah, every time they change perspective, there's like a noticeable, there's like a double empty space paragraph break. Okay. So that's just the Kindle thing. And that's, that's why I wanted to ask is because I wasn't sure if that was just like a weird thing with the formatting on the Kindle or if that was like just really bad editing. And I'm glad that it's just a Kindle thing. I think so. Well, it is kind of weird because sometimes they'll change perspective and designate it by a tap chapter change. Sometimes there'll be like the three little asterisk thing to set it apart. Mm-hmm. But also sometimes it'll just skip two empty lines and then you'll be in different narration. But like, it's always clear when it's happening, at least in the okay. the paperback version. <laughs> yeah, and it was it, it was clear that it was happening insofar as like, Almost every time that we got a that we get, get a, a, a perspective change, like you get the name of the character whose perspective it is, like immediately. Yeah, yeah. Just flipping through, like I'm noticing that in in most of the uh, perspective change headers, it usually says their name immediately. Yeah, but it was it was just like it was very strange for me to like to get used to like like it would just be like I would finish a paragraph and just immediately it it, it would like a paragraph would end, go into the next paragraph and it would be a different character and I'd be like, wait, what just happened? <laughs> But you know, like that, like, like I said, I'm glad that's just a just a bad Kindle formatting thing and not a not an editing thing. Yeah, I uh, I don't don't read ebooks very often, so I uh, did not run into that one. Yeah, I, I like to read in bed, and I have a Kindle that has a, a backlit screen, mm-hmm. and it's very nice for reading at night. If I didn't do most of my reading in audiobook, I would probably have already swapped to a Kindle or something. But yeah, as uh. I tried to do too many things at once, so that means audiobooks. <laughs> yep, I'm uh, I'm right there with you. I have to I like have to specifically like turn my phone down. Mm-hmm. Like I I, I, tur- I turn I turn the screen face down while I read so that I, I'm not tempted to look at it while I'm reading. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's always the way. Because it's 2017 and our minds are mush. Yep. Yep. Too, too many yeah, things so to do. Do we, we want to get into like a little, little bit of a little bit of the the plot of this book? Yeah, we should probably lead in. I I, I kind of derailed to talk about like oh, my history fine. with this, but yeah, <laughs> we could go right go right into the plot. Yeah, we we can we can we can kind of just start it off with like the solo kids get kidnapped like at the very beginning of the book. Yeah, it's the the first sentence is the children had been kidnapped. It's quite the right. cold open here. Yeah, it's 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 very like it kind of just throws you in there like very it's it's very effective in medias res i think mm-hmm. because you immediately get like leia is like panicked about like her kids being kidnapped and like chewy has been injured and like there's this like a bomb has been set off and like these kids are gone and she's like she's like in full like panicking mom mode in like the best way like i think she's really characterized really well as a good mom mm-hmm. in this book yeah uh I, Leia, I think Leia is is super cool in this novel. Yes. <laughs> I, I really like her. I need to. Yeah. Th- there's a, a great scene when someone asks Jason about, uh, not Jason. Someone asks Jaina about uh, uh, about who the who the greatest leader in history is. That mm-hmm. I, I want to bring that up when we get to that point, but that'll be later. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah later is uh, Leia is uh, super cool in this one, and I really, yeah, the, the cold open does a really great job of just mirroring the reader's feelings with her feelings. I saw 
when I was reading online, like, I saw someone complaining about the prose of the section as it being, like, broken and weird, and I'm like, that's that's kind of the point. Like, she's trying yeah, to like, draw you in. is in a million different places. Like, we can yeah. talk about, like, the. I don't think the prose is very good in this book, but I think that it works at this point. Yeah, I, I don't know if I have a serious opinion about that. I think it does a fairly good job of drawing you into the mindset of the different characters that it's about. Yeah. And, I mean, it's not like, you know lyrical or you know soaring or anything but i think like that's well what she's most trying to do is get you in the heads of these characters and i think she's Mm -hmm. pretty successful at that so you know yeah i would i would mostly agree with that i mean i i think that definitely like one of the things that like we're talking about when we talk about the pros is like when especially especially when we get the jaina point of view chapters or sections in general um she's five and it is written like she's five yeah um but i feel like i feel like that still kind of bleeds over a little bit into the other characters where they're maybe written a little more simply than they could than they could have been Mm -hmm. yeah well yeah well leia's text is all like super driven and directed Mm -hmm. uh, because she's got i mean they established this a goal for her in like the first the first page of the novel here yeah like she's got to get her kids back that's the whole that's her whole thing like, Han actually comes out with the most, like, sophisticated narration of any of these characters because he's, like, relaxing and reminiscing about his history throughout most of yeah. the novel. <laughs> In kind of a, kind of a weird way. <laughs> yeah, there's, like, there's, there's some really interesting interactions with, with Luke and Han that we'll get into. Um, but before we do that, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about, like, what, uh, so basically what's happened is that uh, Leia's, as we said, the kids have been kidnapped. Uh, Leia, mm-hmm. they're on this planet called Munto Kodru. Mm-hmm. And it, she's on like basically like a diplomatic mission. And the people that uh, that she is staying with like on this mission, like, are really strong. Like, they really strongly like try to convince her, like, look, this is like a ritual kidnapping. Like, this is just something that happens with people that have power. Yeah, it's like part of the local culture that uh, that everyone has these spy teams that will kidnap other people's loved ones and then ransom them back to them for political favors or something. Yeah, it which like it's really interesting, but like it is it, like I I think I was like, and I think this is kind of the point is I was really with Leia, like I was so frustrated <laughs> with the way that they were treating her while she was like panicked about her children being gone yeah 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 it is kind of weird to read too because like it comes off really patronizing is the thing mm-hmm. like they are uh, and i i i feel like they do a pretty good job of of drawing you into that her feeling of being like no this is seriously a major situation i shouldn't re- yeah. i should not relax about this yeah, and they're just like constantly like, "Oh, you just need to, you need to like, like go to sleep. You need to like relax. You need to not worry about this." It's like, mm-hmm. no, my children are gone. Like, I'm not going to relax. <laughs> and uh, yeah, actually, um, Le- uh, Leia is kind of the one who gets the uh, the Campbellian cycle in this in this novel out of the characters in it. She's kind of the one mm-hmm. who gets it, and this is basically her refusal of the call, except someone else does it for her. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so um, then we, uh, I think we kind of just like blink over to, uh, we we get to we get to see what Han and Luke are doing. Uh, she's kind of like been thinking about this a little bit, but uh, we get to see that they're like on this mission to uh, that they've gotten like a, a a message from a mystery 
uh, mystery source about something that's going on on Cursay Station or Cursay Station. I don't know how you want to pronounce that. I've been pronouncing it Kreish. Kreish? Okay. It's C R E I S H. Uh, it is C R S E I H. Oh, God. Is this another one of those things that I've just been <laughs> reading in the wrong order for been literally, reading all this time. <laughs> literally two decades? Maybe that is the case. Oh, yeah, yeah, you are totally right. It's Crusade Station. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so whatever you said, Brian. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, but, yeah, we get this, like... So so they, they've gotten this, like, message, and, like, Luke is, like, convinced that it's, there's some kind of Jedi there. And so they're on this... They're, they're on this... Uh, the travel to uh, where we get to see the eponymous crystal star, mm-hmm. uh, which is really cool. Like the way that they describe this throughout the book as like, it is basically like it was a binary, binary star system that uh, one of the stars has collapsed into a black hole. And the other one, like, because it is still like next to a black hole, like it's like crystallizing in a weird way. Yeah. Well, th- they say there's like, there's actually three stars in play. Like, one of them collapsed into a black hole. They mentioned there was another one that was a yellow star that is was spun into the accretion disk of the black hole. So it's, like, got this huge accretion disk going on all the time. Mm-hmm. And then the crystal star, like, fell into the orbit of it. And yeah. it's doing, like, yeah. the the, the And then they just totally toss off, like, oh, yeah, and the star's crystallizing into, like, a, a, a quantum crystalline structure. Like, that's a <laughs> thing that can happen. Yeah, and then which is like kind of like that's that's the whole payoff at the end of the book is what what's going to happen with that star. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like so so it's like it's like really this this station is like it kind of seems like it's just like a whole like Mos Eisley, like <laughs> yeah, it's a whole space station. Yeah, Mos pretty Eisley. much. <laughs> well, I mean, they established that the like the fact that the the station is like under the the emission net of these this weird this weird uh, stellar activity kind of cuts it off from anyone seeing it unless they know it's there and go there. So it's like a, an abandoned Imperial research station is the idea. Yeah. And uh, we, we we learn more, we learn more about like what it, like it's, it's names later on. Names are a really important thing in this book. Yeah. Yeah. They do, they do a lot of names. Um, (laughs) We're going to hit a, like, like, we're gonna... Things like true names and stuff. It's kind of it's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. The one with the the characters that Leia runs into. That one's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. I do want to have. We're gonna have a little fun talking about the name as soon as we go to Jaina, though. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah. So uh. So so we get uh we get to Cursay Station and they uh the Han and Luke and they have three uh, C three PO with them and they they have this whole like discussion about like how they've how they're gonna disguise themselves because they want to be kind of undercover and so for some reason they've decided that uh the best way to describe 3po is by painting him purple yep uh which is which is pretty funny like like because it like comes up constantly for some reason yeah they bring up c3po being purple a lot i know i kind of like this because i i feel like i can like really directly visualize what this looks like (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know so like luke uses some kind of weird force powers to like to like mask his identity and then Han just has grown a beard. <laughs> like that's that's his whole way of, of, of disguising himself. And actually like imagining Harrison Ford with like okay. Okay. Now it's not weird because in The Force Awakens Han shows up with a beard. 
Yeah. <laughs> At the time, though, imagine Han Solo like, yeah, with a like beard. Yeah, but like young Harrison Ford, like hot Harrison Ford with a beard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At the time, I was like, man, what would that look like? Now I know. <laughs> um, and so, so we also, this is where we get the... Um, we we get this moment where Han like like this weird like uh this succubus kind of flirts with Han. Oh, does that does that happen this early? Yeah, it's it's pretty early on. Like it's because we get like we get like the whole opening scene with them where they uh they go and like check into their hotel and stuff. Okay, I could have sworn this happened. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, are, okay, they're called they're they're called ghostlings in the novel. Yeah. Um, but like it's a succubus. Like let's be honest. Pretty much. Well, <laughs> except for the like the the twist is is that like uh, I I mean ha- uh, the twist is that if you bang them you kill them, yeah. which is like and and, uh, and Han's got this in like internal narration of like well I thought about it a few times but that would be weird. Yeah. So I mean especially considering he's married. Like what are you doing, Han? <laughs> <laughs> well, th- this is uh I mean this is kind of part of the like the theming of the novel is like. Uh, we spend a lot of time in Han's head and like, I think they do do a pretty good job of showing that like, he is pretty secure in, in like where he is in his life at this point. Yeah. And like kind of, I I think it's kind of cute, honestly, if I'm going to, yeah, I think he he seems like a cute dad. He's, he's he's a cute dad guy. And, uh, (laughs) like Luke, like Luke gets to be a little bit of a dick about it at a few points, but, uh, like he is, pretty happy in his marriage with Leia and like mm-hmm. neither of them are like worried about this. Like <laughs> Yeah. Like up to and including like that Han like spends a lot of time with an ex girlfriend in this book. Yeah, yeah. I mean explicitly an ex lover, like someone he was yeah. like deeply involved with. Mm-hmm. Uh man. I don't want to forget to bring it up, but there's also, like, when Leia, when they run into Leia, she immediately knows who this person is without Han having yeah. to explain it. So he had clearly already told her about that person. Right. Which is, you know, like, that's a sign of a strong relationship, right? Like, yeah, yeah. That they are this open with each other about their past. Mm-hmm. But either way, Han's internal monologue is, like, <laughs> he, he comes off as, like, you know, secure and cute dad, but he's also, he's also a little horny. He's, he's also yeah. in, uh, that's the, that's the Han Solo, the Han Solo story. <laughs> Good dad, but also kind of horny. Yep. It, it, it is, a. It, it's kind of weird, but you know, endearing in certain ways. Yeah. So then we, uh, then we finally get to our, uh, our first, uh, check in with, uh, Jaina and, uh, and Jason and Anakin. Mm-hmm. And we find out that they've been kidnapped by someone named Hethrier. Who claims that he is their hold father? Hold, hold on, just a minute. Before we go past Hethrer, okay. Um, his name is Hethrer, as in mm-hmm. not Hitler, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. The first time I read this novel, I did not pick up on that. I was also ten okay, at the yeah. time, so I'm going to cut myself a little slack there. <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah, I think that's reasonable to not catch it. Then <laughs> we're, we're going to learn that he uh, he runs an organization called the Empire Youth. And he he's his name is Great Value Brand Hitler, like they are <laughs> they are not subtle with this character. No, they are not even a little bit subtle with him. No, no, um, he he's racist and like yeah, they 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 really hit the like whole 
the Empire is Nazis, and, like, human yeah. supremacism is, like, the Star Wars metaphor for, you know, real-world racism. <laughs> yeah, and it's, and it's again, like, in, in true, like, Hitler-slash-Empire-being-Nazis uh, fashion, like, Hether is not human, but he is a human supremacist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Hitler was not Aryan, he was an Aryan supremacist. <laughs> exactly. So, uh... Hether uh, is not a terribly subtle character. Like he basically, no. I mean, between the name and the fact that like he lies to these kids about their parents being dead, he pretty much immediately, immediately. comes off as like a megalomaniacal supervillain type, which yeah. he is. So you know, yeah. I mean, like we we learn later on that like he was trained by Vader. Like he was like one of Vader's secret apprentices or whatever. Uh, uh, yep, and another one of uh, Vader or Palpatine's <laughs> secret dark side apprentices that they had running around. Yeah. <laughs> I, in fairness, this book was written far before the whole idea of the Rule of Two uh, came around. Okay, I saw someone bring this up, and I do would like to point out, the Rule of Two no longer applies. As we learned last week from Darth Sidious, Darth Bane had established the Rule of Two as a way of keeping the Sith secret until they got their revenge on the Jedi. They already did That's that. That's true. So yeah, they, so you're right. They totally so got the their revenge. They killed matter. all those Jedi. There's no reason for there to be a rule <laughs> two in, anymore. That's that's a very good point. They can so have yeah, as the many Sith running around as they want. <laughs> um, and this is also like this. This book also predates like calling them Sith. Yeah. Um, they they yeah. Just... So so. Heather kind of like has this whole like this whole monologue to the kids about how like oh I'm your I'm your old father and like your mother and father and Luke are all dead and Chewbacca are all dead and they wanted me to take care of you if they died. And uh, this lie is not even convincing enough for five year olds. Nope, <laughs> they just I love how they just like immediately figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, the way that they do is actually like it's kind of it's kind of clever like for a five year old there the, is that. He is telling them that he is their, uh, he's their old father or whatever, and she's and so they they basically like they lie about a very basic fact about themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, the order that, in which they were born, I believe. Yes. Yep. Is that Jaina is the older one, but they say that Jason is the older one, and he agrees with them. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I don't know. It is pretty. It is pretty funny to like th- these characters are gonna be around. And if you read these novels, Jane and Jason are in all of the rest of them, pretty much. Yes. They are, they are like, major characters in every bit of the rest of these stories. And this is kind of their first adventure. And uh, mm-hmm. for their first outing, like, they give Hitler the runaround, basically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's kind of fun. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so we have this whole, like... We have this whole, like, the scene where, like... Uh, uh, Hethor decides that, like, to to kind of like punish them slash like keep can keep control of them. Uh, he's going to separate Anakin from Jason and Jaina, and uh, so they they like try to use like a force barrier to protect themselves. And this is where we first see like what Hethor's like special force power is, which is he has this like ability to like suppress the the use of the force, mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah, yeah, and they they call it a they. Uh, the kids feel it as a wet blanket, is what they yeah. feel like. I think, actually, they say wet sand the first time, and then, like, later on, they'll feel it like a wet blanket on them, keeping them from, yeah. like, moving or using their abilities. 
It really does sound kind of depressing because, like, there's a lot of narration about the 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 kids feeling like cold and alone, and you know, wanting to reach mm-hmm. out for each other to uh, you know feel some comfort from this oppressive force. Yeah, and it's like it, there's definitely like a lot of like scenes where you just get like Jaina laying in her cell and like wishing that she could like talk to Jason. Mm-hmm. But it, it it's 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 tough, but like you get some really good payoff with that later on. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty good times. Um, I mean, not for the kids, because they were captured by Nazis, but uh, narratively, <laughs> it's pretty satisfying. Yeah. Um, so then we uh, we jump back to Muto Kodru, and uh, uh, R2 has, like, figured out that uh, a ship left uh, the planet after the kids were kidnapped. Yeah. Um, which is relevant because as soon as the kids got kidnapped, Leia, like, one of her things that she, like, put her foot down on is that they had to shut down, the, the Kojiro had to shut down the spaceports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so nobody was supposed to be, like, entering or leaving the planet until the kids were found and we had a ship leave after the kids were kidnapped. Yeah, and this, uh, I think Mr. Chamberlain is the guy they're dealing with. Yeah. And yeah. He- he he doesn't even he didn't even want to do that. He was like, "Oh, I can't shut down the spaceports. Then they're going to know that we know and everyone's going to be embarrassed. Just relax." Oh my goodness. Like it is so frustrating. <laughs> it's really deeply frustrating. But like, we're was, we're feeling the character's frustration. Annoyed. So, you know. <laughs> but it, you're you're really like, "Come on, Leia. You know, you got to do stuff." And like, mm-hmm. you know, she she gets all energized and goes out and and uh has to hunt down those kids, so it, it, it's not like a long-running frustration in the plot line. Just they, they no, make these yeah. guys like, come as, off as soon as she gets real off of Kodru, dickheads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as soon as she gets off of Muto, Muto Kodru, like she is, like it's no longer a thing. Like she's not no longer frustrated because at that point she like has her mission, like she has her goal. Yeah, I think kind of the larger point is um, they use it a little bit to illustrate kind of what Leia's life is like at this point. Cause okay. By this point in the story, sh- 10 years after return of the Jedi, she is both head of state of the new Republic mm-hmm. and also chief diplomat. Yeah. And also has three kids <laughs> like, and is also ostensibly like a Jedi Knight in training. Yeah. And is kind of also expected to go, go shoot anyone who the new Republic needs shot, who they can't do handle <laughs> themselves. <laughs> yeah, because, like, everything comes down to, to our three heroes. Too. Yeah, I, I mean, Lucan and Leia, like, in terms of, the in terms of like, the greater universe, are basically, like, SEAL Team 6. You just got <laughs> these couple guys, and, like, you know, there's evil, there's, like, evil monsters showing up all the time, and you need these three people to go shoot them. Right. You can't send out any of your millions of, of, of troops that you assuredly have. Yeah, so, <laughs> it, 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 um... Yeah, the, the this is just kind of uh, it, it's a pretty good illustration of like the shit that Leia feels like she has to deal with all the time. Like she's mm-hmm. constantly acquiescing to everyone else's feelings, everyone else's demands, and like that's and, and uh, she feels like it's really disrupting like her life and identity is the idea. I, I think there's a pretty good illustration of that. Yeah, and I really like like there's there's the whole like uh, there's the whole passage about how she's like like thinking about like how it's when 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 we when we see her ship for the first time Mm -hmm. she like kind of reflects on how like 
she had she's had like so much more fun like learning to fly her ship than she had learning to be a Jedi Knight. Yeah, and like that that's like kind of, it's it's kind of like a kind of like a nice thing like to see her like like doing what she wants to do for once. Mm-hmm. The ship is called the Alderaan, by the way. Uh, yes. So, <laughs> which of course it is. It comes up in the plot that like well that name kind of gives away. <laughs> Who owns yeah, the ship? So, so even though it's named the Alderaan, she has it like like it's it's only registered by its numbers, and like she has like fake names for it at the ready, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. <laughs> but yeah, and it, it, it is a, another thing that plays into the identity concealment theme going on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, okay. So she takes off into space with R two and. Uh, after a bit, they learn that Chewbacca kind of escaped with them. He like he hid away on the ship while yeah. uh, while she took off, and Leia's pretty annoyed about this because like there, uh, there's like a little bit in here for a little while where she kind of blames him for like the kids get taken because he was supposed to be watching them and her kids have now been kidnapped and she's she's kind of lashing out at Chewbacca a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which is like it's it's understandable. Like I I can understand why she would be frustrated for sure. Yeah yeah yeah. Like he feels really bad about it. Be, well, both because like it's just a thing you'd feel bad about, and also they've yeah. got this whole Wookiee life debt thing going on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you let your friend's kids get kidnapped, like you don't need to have a life debt to, in order to just feel bad about that. <laughs> right. I mean, you're gonna feel bad about that because like it's a terrible thing to happen. Yeah. But um. She's not mad at him the whole novel. Just there's like no. for the for the next few scenes of them together, she's like a little bit cold with him until she, you know, kind of lets it go and being like, you know, I, I uh, she refocuses her emotions on the pursuit rather than uh, and like lets this this uh, little bit of anger at Chewbacca go. Mm-hmm. And it's like she in in specifically like she like uses like like, what she can of the Force, like, to kind of, like, sense where, like, the gen- general direction that that ship had gone mm-hmm. uh, by kind of, like, following, like, the imprints of her kids, like, through through space. Yeah, they, u- they use this uh, a few times. Like, the, the thing that Leia has had the easiest time picking up is uh, the ability to, like, feel, fe- uh, to, like, feel feelings in the Force, to follow mm-hmm. people, and, like, meditation techniques... Those yeah, are like that, like that's that's canon like that has been like since I mean you you see that in like episode six uh huh yeah or even in episode five like she can you know she's sensing him in Empire is sensing Luke in Empire at the end of the book or the movie yeah 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 I guess that's true actually it's just it's weird that like it's canon that force powers work better among family members but like that <laughs> and most of Star Wars continuity force Force users don't have family members. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's. I guess that's like a post. It's a post Jedi. Yeah, thing. it's a uh, post post New Jedi Order thing where, like, you know, <laughs> we don't do that whole like you know no family ascetics thing anymore because it got us all killed that one time. Yeah. So yeah, then we uh, we, I think now we go back to uh, we go back to Heifer at this point. Uh, and we have a whole thing with like, uh, basically like, uh, we get a whole thing with him torment, kind of tormenting the kids, like, kind of like trying to break them down. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They've got the they do the whole fascist thing where they separate the kids into different levels of authority. There's like these uh, there's proctors who are like yeah, the, you the know, helpers, the proctors, like, 
And then the the Empire youth are like at the top of the food chain here, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, so and, and then this is also I think this is where we meet Tigris for the first time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because basically, uh, Hethra puts Anakin uh, in Tigris's care, more or less, and Anakin spends almost all of this movie or this book sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, I, like I said, he he's forced Gohan when he's not yeah. when he's not like welling with uncontrollable you know potential. Uh, <laughs> he he is uh, sleeping. Yeah, and, uh, so, and it, like like literally like there are multiple times where they describe like Anakin sucking on his thumb. <laughs> I, multiple. He, he is three years old. Like you he know. is three years old. I mean, he's he's not a he's not ready to graduate to main character status yet. He is only a three year old. He is he is stuck in MacGuffin territory for now. Yeah. So yeah, so we we kind of get a couple. Of, I think this is is this also where we get the first scene of them of the kids uh, like doing their like studying or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's toward the end of chapter three, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, and Jaina's like, you know, I know how to like calculate things and stuff. And, uh, and yeah, and Tigris is like, well, that's stupid. You need to just memorize these facts. And yeah. <laughs> just, uh, biting social commentary on our <laughs> modern uh, educational system. Uh, from 1994. <laughs> from 1994. <laughs> uh. So yeah, then we, uh, then we bounce back to Leia and this is where we kind of get the first, um, this is like our first like hints of like things kind of weaving together mm-hmm. is that she... She like kind of uh, pops out of hyperspace into this like there's a, this like field of uh, of ships of dead ships or seemingly dead ships. Yeah, yeah, and this and, uh, this is a pretty kind of a creepy plot point, honestly. Yeah, it's pretty dark. Like I I was like really like it really felt like kind of like survival horror ish uh-huh. like, when, when they're going into the ship. <clears throat> and like especially like when she wakes up the one guy and he's like super creepy toward her. <laughs> I think, yeah, I know what you mean. It seems like something's going to be up at, 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 uh, it seems like something's going to be up with this guy, but it kind of turns out he's just an asshole. Yeah, he's just a real jerk. He's he's just a jerk. Uh, but yeah, so like, cause, cause we, like, I, I can't remember the exact order, uh, that happens. Uh, does she wake him up and then see, uh, the woman that is like being tortured or is it? Yeah. She she wakes him up first. Well, she, she turns on his pod to wake up and then goes into the room that, uh, freaking what's her name? Uh, Raleo or yeah. Yeah. I thought it was Ralao. Is it Ralao? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That works. Uh, we don't learn her name just yet, but yeah, Ralao is like hooked up to this like torture web. That's like constantly cutting her and stuff. Yeah. It's pretty intense. It's pretty creepy looking. Well, I mean, there's not a picture of it, but it sounds the way they describe it. The the description is creepy. And, um, yeah, that she, she figures out fairly quickly that like, you know, whoever kidnapped her kids came by here and hooked up this lady to the torture net because Mm -hmm. strong emotions, um, will, will, uh, overwhelm force senses. So she yes. can't use her force senses to follow her kids anymore because they tortured somebody in the area and that like, you know, overwhelmed the, the local force environment. Yeah. And then the, the, this other guy who was on the ship comes in and is like, oh yeah, that person. Yeah. They're a dick. I don't like yeah. them. And Leia is understandably like that lady is hooked up to a torture net. What is your problem, man? <laughs> 
And he's just like, kind of like, well, she's no, she's not part of my clan or whatever, so I don't care. It's like, man, like she's still like a person. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? What is this dude's deal? Yeah, he's he's a re- like like you said, he's a real dick. Yeah, he's, he's just a jerk, just a just a mean <laughs> jerk. Um, but yeah, so we we find out that he is uh, he 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 gives his species, but he won't give his name. And this is like, this is where we first start like hearing all this. Uh, it's this specific species. Like names are very important to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we find out that that he is a Ferrario or Firario. I don't. I really don't know how to pronounce these names. <laughs> um. But they're they're more or less just like a near human species. I want to ask um, you for page references, but you read the ebook, so yeah, <laughs> it's I not going to work. <laughs> yeah, because when when Leia introduces herself to uh, this so guy, yeah, so like he, he refuses to give his name, but he freely gives. I think he doesn't. He just like tell Leia that Leia's name is what what her name is. Um, I think so. Yes. Yeah, which yeah. is uh, it's it's interesting because like you see, like she is the same species as him. And you see, like, how important that is, like, to have, to, to those people, like, to have, like, their, their names have power, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and Leia doesn't give him her real name. She call, she identifies herself as Lelila, Lelia. Yeah, Lelila, I think I was pronouncing Lelia. it. Maybe it's And uh, she introduces uh, Chewbacca as Gaiahab, or Gaiahab, which is, like, uh, some kind of, like, Wookiee legend, uh, legendary name or something. I always like because uh, they do this in Knights of the Old Republic too. I like that the the Wookies are like apparently the only like rate culture in the Star Wars universe that has like a rich mythological tradition. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like they never bring they're, that I mean, up in relation to anybody else, right? I'm sorry, what, Brian? Like Wookie Wookies are the Native American stand-ins, right? I guess that's kind of true. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess now that you bring it up, but yeah. So that's I've I've always that's always kind of how I've read it is that Wookiees have this like mythology, this like rich mythology because like that's what the stereotype of Native Americans is. (laughs) I I mean, in the expanded universe, there's probably at at least three or four Native American analogs. (laughs) I mean, that's certainly true. I mean, the Tusken Raiders kind of too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a. off topic, but like uh, I've I've brought this up when I was when uh, me and my wife used to play World of Warcraft. There are mm-hmm. seriously like five different Native American analog races in World of Warcraft, <laughs> like freaking everywhere. <laughs> like they yeah, really a, like that theme. Yeah, it's it's a pretty popular analog to have, I think, because it's recognizable to people in the West. Yeah, yeah, that is true. <laughs> it is. I mean, American history has this weird relationship with it, but we are apparently just fine using that as a thing. Yep. Uh, well, that's that's why we're fine using it, right? Like as as a country or whatever. Yeah, I, I guess I guess in the American psyche, it's a known quantity, so you know. Yeah. It is uh, totally fine to use in fiction. But yeah, so so she she rescues uh, Leia rescues or Lalila. Okay, so. Let's get into this a little bit. Um, did it bother you that it kind of went back and forth from that point on calling uh, Leia and Chewbacca Lilila and Gayahab or their real names? Not really. I think it might have when I first read the novel, but now when I'm reading... Okay, like, I, I think if, uh, when I was reading it, I was basically thinking of it from the perspective of Leia. This is like, she's... Come, she's like trying to force herself into this other mindset mm-hmm. of being like, I, I need to be this other person so I can do this thing. 
and like yeah, and they do definitely talk about that later on in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in this opening scene, she slips back and forth, but she will start to more consistently refer to herself as Lalaya uh, yeah. in the next for most of the rest of the novel mm-hmm. until like the climax, basically. Yeah. So we uh we have this uh we have this whole scene where like she kind of like takes Raleo back to the ship uh, back to the Alderaan. Um, and she's speaking with the unnamed Ferrario, and, uh, as she's, like, he, he basically, like, refuses, uh, any help from her, because he doesn't, like, it, it's basically like, oh, our, our species is too proud to accept help, or whatever. Be- because he's a dick. Because he's a real dick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, like, that is, like, a thing, like, because, like, you do get out with Rileo too, later on, where she is, like, kind of hesitant to accept help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but as... As Leia and Chewbacca are about to take off, like as the door is closing, she's like standing there talking to uh, this this man, and he kind of you know is like, oh, and by the way, I know I totally know that you're you're Leia Organa. Yeah, yeah, your your disguise is not super great, and yeah. uh, your ship is named the Alderaan. Yeah, <laughs> and also your ship is named the Alderaan. <laughs> but it does mean it, like it does does mean that we get this like super cute scene where like uh leia like dyes her hair and they dye chewy's fur as well yeah th- this is a this is a cute I love scene this. i i i really <laughs> it's like really intimate it's also kind yeah. of where like they they let their their tension between each other go mm-hmm. at this point yeah and then they're like totally like a super team from the rest of the, for the rest of the book yeah but they've got these things called they, they call them color crawlers which are basically yeah. like little worms that you throw into someone's hair and they just like crawl around in there, and, like, change the color, dyeing whatever hair they're in until they run out of ink. I guess. Yeah, and I loved. How, I I really love how like Leia just like throws them at Chewie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they turn him. Uh, I think she throws the black and silver ones at him, so he's black, mm-hmm. silver, and brown. So he looks. Yeah, he looks they, like a real. Talk about how he's this. like brindle too. Yeah, I, I'm not familiar with the word brindle, honestly. Oh, it's a, it's like a, it's a, like a pattern of fur. Um, you, I'm, you would totally recognize it if you've seen it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull up a link, pull up an image of a brindled animal, and I will send it to you. I'll also include this in the show notes in case anyone else is unfamiliar. Aw, cute doggo. So yeah, so that's uh, that, that's what brindle is. It's like that kind of like like, uh, kind of mix of of fur colors mm-hmm. and. It's like it's. I think I think it's like it's really cool, like how they how they describe that and like Chewy and it's like Chewy like kind of doesn't like it at first, but then he like is super into it later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At first he's at first he seems a little offended that uh, mm-hmm. he would conceal his natural color, but then he's like, eh, you know, I could be undercover. I'm cool with that. Yeah. And then we also uh, we we also like in this scene we get this super cute part where like. Chewie is like picking out like uh, uh, dye colors for Leia, and he picks out like all these greens. Mm-hmm. He's like, because like he he wants her to look like the forest or whatever. And she's <laughs> and, like, oh, so green doesn't suit me. I don't know why I picked it. <laughs> yeah, she says I look bad in green. I'm like, I don't know. Like Leia with like green dyed hair. I mean, yeah. she'd look really anime at that point. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, with her super long hair. <laughs> um, but then she also like right before she leaves, she sends. She sends an unsigned message to 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 Han, um, like telling him that there are uh, <clears throat> that there there are uh, like slave ships like out in the middle of in, up, out in the middle of nowhere, and it's like, like why don't you just like call him on your like space cell phone? <laughs> uh, okay, 
well, not to get all technically, but like <laughs> they have established that when he's in the range of the, the 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 black hole and the crystal star, like communications don't reach them. They're no, for sure. But like, she didn't even try. It's true. It's true. <laughs> I mean, she might know. She might know that it wouldn't work. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose we can. We Though, can with that. okay. Other than that, she's literally the president. She should have yeah. someone she can call. <laughs> she is literally the president. She, of she should space. have someone. She's the president of space. She should have someone <laughs> on her space speed dial to like, um, hey, I have a problem. Come to where I am and fix this space problem for me. Yeah, like for example, like what is Winter doing right now? Okay, well they, <laughs> Brian, stop making me go technically because <laughs> they bring that she is on a she is at a conference that uh, of people who are. Uh, She's at a missing children conference, essentially. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. they established that like there's some sort of conference for people whose kids have gone randomly missing, and and yep. uh, I guess that's just a thing Winter does on our off days. Because <laughs> they they uh, suggest like, hey, maybe this child kidnapping thing that's happening in the main plot is related to that other thing that we mentioned offhand. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, just maybe. Uh, it totally, totally turns out it is, but <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> you know. Um, because that's... You can only have so many child kidnapping plots going on, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, um, then we get, like, another, we get another scene where, like, Jaina is just, like, kind of, like, thinking of ways that she can get out of, that she can, like, escape. And I don't think this, like, I don't, this, this part isn't super important. She kind of just, like, thinks about, like, the Emperor, the, the Empire youth and, like, how they're a bad thing. And she's like, oh, I have to, I have to tell, uh, I have to tell my mom about this basically mm-hmm. yeah yeah and she, her plan to escape is ba- she has a a space swiss army knife that has like yes. a little a wood drill on it that yeah, she, it's a multi-tool she it's called a multi-tool but it's a space knife that she plans <laughs> on just drilling through the lock on her door to get out yeah which is hilariously effective and i also love how she like is while she's doing this like at at the end of the night uh she like puts the sawdust in her mouth like to stick it back together and put it back in the hole so that nobody notices mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah the okay it wasn't it isn't hogan's heroes the old sitcom that's supposed to be a concentration camp comedy uh yes i believe so <laughs> Okay, I've never actually seen that show, but reading several of these bits of how incompetent the Empire Youth is at holding on to these kids, I started wondering, like, are they pulling from this old sitcom I've never seen about it's comically inept Nazis? <laughs> uh, but <laughs> there was also, uh, I, I just I have this line up, and it's really funny. Um, uh, Jaina is thinking about uh, Heather and she says uh, uh, I have to let her know about Heather he sounds like one of the evil tyrants mama fought against before I was even alive yeah Gina yeah wondered if the fight would have to happen all over again like uh, spoilers yes <laughs> jeez also <laughs> like, too real so many times same Jaina same same yeah extremely same <laughs> uh, uh, th- this is also during the se- uh, in the sequences when Jaina's talking there's a one of the kids is called Vram and he's like a uh, he's like been fairly indoctrinated and is a jerk, mm-hmm. and he's uh, kind of yelling at Jaina about uh, you need to pay attention in class. Uh, there's a, th- this exchange in here that I thought was pretty pretty cute. He tells her, "Lord Hethor wants you to answer these questions." He said, "Who was the greatest leader in our history?" She says, "My mama, of course." <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. The guy, uh, and Vram yells back, You're wrong. You're so stupid. The Emperor was our greatest leader. Jaina stared at him in horror. <laughs> like, yeah, the suggestion that the, like, you know, dark evil zombie Emperor was the greatest leader might, you know, probably seems weird to a five-year-old. Yeah. Who's yeah, going to sure. restore the Empire, Vram demanded. No one, Jaina cried. <laughs> <laughs> You're wrong. Lord Hethra will. <laughs> like... Just imagining this kid hearing that, I, I, I thought that's a really cute scene. Mm-hmm. Also, I, it's just adorable that she would be like, my mom's the greatest leader in history. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> so cute. Yeah, it's it's children idolizing their parents. It's adorable. Mm-hmm. Well, like, you know, Leia gets short shrift in the, uh, the Star Wars canon. So, you know, I, I like when they get, they really give her a due in some of these novels. And that's always yeah. fun. I mean, she is yeah, the president I, I, I of space. I always appreciate when Leia, gets, when Leia gets what she deserves, because she's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, I think to, to close off this scene is when Jaina, when she's working on the door, she learns that she can, um, Hethra's power isn't, is, like, left enough to where she can rub the air together to make heat and light. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it does, and, uh, he doesn't, like, immediately dump his, dump his blanket on her. Mm-hmm. And she's, uh, like... Heck yeah, I can totally do this. Yeah, so she like basically figures out that she can she can influence like very small things without like alerting him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, then we uh, then we jump back to Crusade Station, um, and this is where we meet uh, Han's ex girlfriend, Xavery, or Xavery. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we pronounced every one of these differently. I yeah, thought it was okay. I thought it was Javeri. Sure. <laughs> I'm fine Z- with whatever. Zavery I mean, might... Wait, wait, listen, it's Zavery might book. also make sense. It's X-A-V-E-R-R-I for, yep, for the listeners. Name. Hashtag Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, we, f- we find out that like she is the the one who has like, kind of like been con- that had been contacting uh, Luke and trying to get them to come to the station. And uh, so then she takes them to uh, this quote-unquote healer, uh, Waru. Man, we've been going for an hour. We are just now hitting Waru. Yep. (laughs) Waru is super weird, huh? Yeah, Waru is super, like, not a thing. Like, what is... there's There's no precedent for this in star wars whatsoever that's kind of why i like it a lot though is the thing mm-hmm. like as uh just because the characters run into this and have no idea how to deal with it um because okay that they establish this in a like dialogue here and there but he's essentially like an he's like a dark outer god figure like he got yeah. pulled over from a, like an evil anti-dimension when the the uh, empire was performing experiments on this this planet and they like caused enough pain and they like ripped a hole in reality with the force that let this thing in mm-hmm. like i'm pretty i'm pretty into that i'm pretty into whenever the dark side like gets creepy enough to cross into like cthulhu territory yeah, it's 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 definitely really cool. Like in like the way that he's described with these like these like golden plates and like he's like got this. They, they like really go overboard with like the meat descriptions of his insides. Yeah, I re- I realized when reading it this time, she's actually super vague when describing him. She really mm-hmm. only gives him two features, which is these gold shield plate scales and like he he has veins of of black red ichor underneath. 
and yeah. he looks kind of like an altar at first, and that's like it. Like they don't give any yeah. other descriptions for this thing. Yeah, there's definitely like some description of like his like like what he looks like underneath the plates with like a like the like the fleshy bits of him underneath or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like definitely like a very. He, very hard to visualize what 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 exactly Waru is. Yeah, if you look on the um, Wikipedia, also, if you look on the Wikipedia page, they it, they kind of just drew it as a wall. He looks like a big wall <laughs> with gold scales on it. I'm like, okay, fair enough. I guess that's one way you could interpret it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, yeah, oh yeah, totally. That's interesting. <laughs> um, oh gosh, I was about to say something and I can't remember what it was. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Something about something about oh Waru, uh, Waru. I does. I'm reasonably certain that that just means bad in Japanese, right? I think Warui is Jap is Japanese for bad. I'm pretty sure it's yeah. Warui. So, so somewhere along that, like maybe maybe it's, not. Uh, maybe not being so subtle with the reference again. It's close. Because <laughs> like, uh, spoiler alert. This is our this is our kind of like big bad for the for the book. I mean. He's the the big bad in a novel where there's literally a guy named Hitler. Yeah, <laughs> but like, like it's I I felt like maybe maybe I didn't notice this as much on a, on my initial reading, but it was so obvious that he was like villainous. Like, I this mean, time around it happens a little bit down the line, but like Han mm-hmm. sees him eat a kid. Oh yeah, yeah, but even before then, like because. Because we get like where uh, we we get like Luke is like super fascinated by him and like is like uh, just because he's like he he can't sense the force in him or, or whatever because he doesn't use the force he's not mm. part of the force yeah yeah and um, uh, I I mean I do I think this is a cool element actually the idea that like when Luke runs into something that he can't immediately like feel like feel how it relates to his world. It, like, mm-hmm. really throws him off to a serious degree. It, like, makes him start yeah. acting really weird because... And it's it's not just that, but it's also, like, as they talk about later on, it's the, uh, it's the, uh, gosh, the, the resonance of the crystal star. Yeah, the, cr- is, like, the crystal star is also, also deadening him to the force. This, um, this would get less, this, like, less unique and interesting later on when they establish that the Yuzan Vong are the same way, I think. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, I mean, screw the Yuzan Vong, like. They, they suck. <laughs> I mean, this is also just like this is like the Bantam Spectre era's like favorite uh, Luke Skywalker trope is to uh, cut off his connection to the Force. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, because otherwise, otherwise he's just like a god running around and it, with a bunch of people who don't can't you know control. Anything. I mean, it's like the Kryptonite thing, you know. I mean, when you've got yeah. a protagonist who's like. <laughs> who has this scale of power you gotta f- regularly find a way to depower him <laughs> um but yeah so like it's han is super skeptical about waru like immediately mm-hmm. uh in a way that like I-, I felt was like that totally is that totally tracks like that is super well characterized han solo yeah yeah uh han is uh Han's pretty cool throughout the this whole section. Like he gambles for money, he runs into all these people, and is like all like you know cool and relaxed about it. And then yeah. like he's the one person who sees. I mean, he's not the one because Javeri like knows that this guy's bad news. But yeah. like he's kind of the guy who immediately senses that something's up with this uh, ancient eldritch outer god being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very very strange that the Cthulhu monster ends up being evil. 
Um, yeah. Okay. So does he do? Yeah, I think he just heal. He uh, he he heals someone the first time. Yeah, he he wraps like a, a a moss. I think a guy made out of kelp or something. He like yeah. wraps him into his body and then like heals him as in mm-hmm. the in the first scene that he's introduced in. And uh, Hans yeah, and we like find out, we find out way later on down the line that like he's healing. Presumably, he's healing that person because that person has, is not force sensitive. Yeah, yeah. Like that person doesn't have like a like they have a connection to the force that he can feed on, but since it's there, they don't feel it. He doesn't need to like he doesn't he wouldn't really get a lot out of eating them. Yeah, is the thing. So so in, in, instead of eating that person, he he, he just heals them. Mm-hmm. And actually, like speaking of Waru, like it was really interesting. Like the first time that you uh, that that we meet him, uh, there was some really interesting like uh, characterization of him where like. Uh, I guess maybe not so much characterization might be the wrong word, but like the whole the whole idea of like when he's talking to someone specific, like to a specific person or group of people, like other people in the area just can't hear him. Yeah, he's got he's got animorphs. I that was super cool. Animorphs thought speak. Yeah. <laughs> and so he has like kind of like where he can just like broadcast his his voice to a large group, or he can direct it to specific people. It's certainly, uh, in, in, like, the mental movie of what this looks like, it certainly has a creepy effect. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh... Yeah, so, um... And, and we, Luke we thinks get, like, he's looking for Lost Jedi this whole time, and he runs yep. into Waru and is like, well, I guess this is the closest thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, and Luke gets, like, weirdly obsessed with him, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, you know, they kind of... Yeah, that's another reveal at the later on is that like he's basically like siren songing Luke the whole time. Yeah, yeah, because he can he can tell that Luke is a powerful force user. Yeah, but we don't get any narration from Luke, so nope. <laughs> we're not, we're not really <laughs> aware of it. Uh, yeah. and then I think this is also like because we, we kind of just like go back to like it's it's like the next day or whatever Han goes back to Waru's thing. Uh, cause is it because he's like looking for Xavier or something? I can't remember exactly. Uh, and that, I think that's like I the think one place that he knows Luke, where to find her. I think Luke had taken off actually. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, He's looking for Luke. I think this is also in here where we have a serious continuity error where they describe <laughs> Luke as having a blue lightsaber. I, well, it is, it is astonishing how many of the reviews I read, like it pointed <laughs> that specific thing out. <laughs> it certainly jumped out at me as weird, but I'm like, eh, Oh yeah, okay. for sure. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not going to try and pretend I'm not nerdy enough to not notice when Luke has the wrong color <laughs> lightsaber. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm, 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 not, I'm not lying to myself here. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, I mean, Because his, his blue lightsaber, like Mara Jade, has that at this point. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Which, uh, I mean, they. I, I think Luke, like, Lucasfilm was supposed to have coordinated all these so there weren't continuity errors like that but you know a few slipped through the cracks here and there whatever so what you're saying is we can blame george lucas for this too (laughs) i mean okay they said okay (laughs) the marketing copy was that he had like gone through all these and checked them to see if they fit his idea of the canon his his original vision I'm sure there was like an editing team or something. Oh, there absolutely was. Like there, there's in fact like a continuity editor. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so we get uh, we get this whole scene like after after like Han is like going after Luke or whatever. Uh, he goes back to Waru's er, er, uh, temple or whatever, 
and he watches Waru kill someone. Yeah, yeah, and a an Ithorian and, actually, which are like the uh the big the they're like the the worm cow people. Mm-hmm. I've always thought Ithorians were kind of cute because they have like yeah. those big deep voices in Knights of the Old Republic. <laughs> <laughs> and this, uh, uh, yeah, like it's it's like this is like I actually thought this was like really like like intense. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty the pretty way dark. that it's described, like how Waru is like enjoying it, and Han is like like really like it really affects him. Yeah, yeah, because he he says like uh, the sound he made is is like a like a predatory animal, mm-hmm. and you know. I mean the the scene takes place. He's in the middle of like a, a an arena full of supplicants to Waru who have all come yeah. to ask him to heal people they know, and like everyone just is totally blind to this, is the yeah. idea, and uh, I, I like that's what that's what makes the scene creepy at least to me is like you know Han looking around at all these people who just saw like a kid a kid's soul get eaten essentially, yeah. and they're all like oh man. Well, he'll yeah, try because, it like, again he, next time. And yeah, Han's like, Waru like kind of just like passes it off as like, oh, like I can't heal everybody. Like I did my best, but mm-hmm. uh, not everyone can be healed or whatever. And it's just like, like Han is just like, just like so blown away by the way everyone just accepts it. Uh huh. And I also like I uh, I have this I have this passage up. Um, Sorrow swept over him and terror in his mind. The memory of the Thor- of the Athorian family transmuted itself to his own family. Though he knew it would never happen, he could not wipe away the image of him and Leia, Jaina and Jason, begging Waru for help and placing Anakin on that altar. Though the oppressive heat made him sweat, he shuddered. And that's like that's like really like that's really descriptive in a good way, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean this is this is a running theme throughout like all of the novels that like Han becomes gradually more paranoid about the safety of his family over the course yeah. of like the like the the new republic period yeah for sure <laughs> okay this is out of way way in the future but it's actually one of the few bits of new jedi order that i remember really liking there's a mm-hmm. bit there's a bit right at the beginning of the second new jedi order book where han's like walking around the falcon um and Chewbacca, Chewbacca had died in the previous novel yes. as, as part of the authors, like being like, we're serious now we're escalating the situation. And like, there's this seed of like Han walking around and being like, my God, after 20 years, I finally have to face the fact that like the people I love aren't invincible. It's like yeah. a really good scene. It's like, yeah, it's, it's a really like good very, scene. Very heart wrenching. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is, they're kind of like seeding that emotional conflict here and mm-hmm. they they build on that pretty consistently i feel like whenever we get narration from han that's always like an element of his character yeah but yeah so uh we we get this whole like this whole thing where like han is like uh basically like he's passed out and uh he, he like couldn't he couldn't uh couldn't really sleep until until like kind of like Xavier comforted him and put in like helped him fall asleep mm-hmm. yeah that's the uh, other thing about han is he is sleepy for this entire book he is both yes. horny. He is horny and sleepy the whole time. <laughs> um, but like, I mean, specifically, like he is not horny here. Yeah, like that, where... that's uh, yeah. He doesn't. He's not like they the in in the way they the in the way the characters have, uh, talk to each other. You can tell that these are people who have been intimate in the past, mm-hmm. but and they still really care about each other. But it's not like mm-hmm. it's not a current thing for either of them. Yeah, yeah, like, they're both fine with that not being a thing anymore. Yeah. 
And uh And so we also like we, we get the uh, we we get like the next morning like like Luke is like super mad at Han that he slept in Xavier's room, <laughs> which is a weird scene. This this it is, is the beginning very of very weird. I think this is like Luke has been a little off up till this point, but mm-hmm. this is when he starts to like. Okay, if they didn't establish that like something was wrong with him, like he's he's going way off the deep end here. Yeah. Also, this is just like it. Not in uh, in term like you know th- this is a universe where like you know magic force shit happens all the time, but like this is just a rude way to treat your brother in law. <laughs> like this, yeah, this... just like accusatory accusing him of like cheating on his wife. Like, yeah, th- in a way that this would be rude and uncomfortable if we weren't in a sci-fi setting, with, <laughs> like all sorts of crazy crap going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like you know, like we as as previously established, like he has got he has got some weird mind mind stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he'll say later that normally he would just know. Normally he would yeah. know to trust Han or not. Like yeah, he be like his magic force abilities would just like he'd be he'd know. And the fact that he he has that uncertainty uncertainty now is really throwing him off. Right. Which I mean, I'm kind of willing to give him this because like okay, we established that that Leia is space president. Well, I mean, Luke is essentially, like, in addition to being a member of Space SEAL Team 6, he's also, like, Space Buddha and runs the, like, school for an entire generation of, like, kids, basically, that are going to have magical space wizard powers. (laughs) Like, Luke has a lot on his shoulders. He is a very highly pressured guy. So, that's... uh, it's kind of one of the one of the things that get, the book gains as part of the expanded universe continuity because that's not really part of the text, but like if you know the background, it's you just kind of know that like it's part of Luke's character that he is like very heavily stressed throughout this period of his life, mm-hmm. and you know that's uh, that's kind of the the fun of expanded universe stuff, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's uh, let's now we're gonna jump back to uh, to Leia and Raleo, uh, who. Are like they're they're kind of like discussing like how they're gonna find uh like how, how they're gonna find these children and like we also get like uh we get like some some conversation between Leia and Raleo where she like kind of starts to reveal a little bit about her past. Hmm. Um. And like I think that this is where she like she, she like asks Leia if there was a if she had found a small device on the ship, <laughs> which is which so, is pretty funny. Yeah. 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 Like a small handheld device. <laughs> Spoilers, she's asking, like, have you seen an I like or not a yeah. uh, she's she wants to know <laughs> if Leia found her lightsaber and like right. does not know how to ask that question without being really obvious. Right. Without being really obvious that she's force sensitive. Um but like also like like she doesn't know that Leia is Leia, so mm-hmm. she couldn't you know, she can't very well ask. You know, she's she, it's not like she knows she knows for certain that she can trust her or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, like, Leia's force powers are, like, locked in on finding her kids at this point, and they establish later on that Raleo's thing is, like, healing people. She's not, like, mm-hmm. a... She's not, like, a telepathic sort of force user, really. Yeah, though, though there's also, like, a moment where, like, uh, other people using the force around her, like, gives her a headache, which I thought was weird and interesting. When does that happen? Uh, that's like way later on. It's like after they rescue the kids. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, um, that is super weird. That's not. 
that's not really a thing that happens to force users very often. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so we, uh, <laughs> this is when we go to that, uh, that basically like slave planet, like slaving planet, uh, with Leia and Raleo. Uh, before, uh, before that, they, uh, there's the scene where, uh, the kids, um, dis, uh, like, uh, they throw sand in the, uh, the Proctor's food. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Again, th- this is where I started to have a little bit of like the, is this referencing a, a history of Nazi based <laughs> comedy that I'm not familiar with? Yeah, this is, like, super funny where, like, because this is also, we get, like, the, um, like, we, we get, like, a moment where, like, Jason and Jaina, like, like look each other in the eye and, like, it's, like, it's, like, a really heartwarming, like, oh, like, they're finally, like, doing something together again moment. Yeah, yeah, they're, like, they throw sand in the, in the Proctor's food, they persuade, um, they call them mermans, but I'm guessing they're but basically, they're ants. They're ants. Yeah, <laughs> they drop ants in their clothes, and, um... Yeah, and and the cook gets called out, and the, and the the proctors yell at yell at the cook like, "Why did you make sandy food?" And the cook mm-hmm. like comically leaps across the table and knocks them all in the head with a pan <laughs> as yeah. she does so. So yeah, so we get that before, and then, yeah, I, I I actually totally forgot about that scene, and I'm glad that you brought it up. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not it doesn't really advance anything that's going on. It's just no, you know, I mean. It, I guess it does a little bit because it like kind of throws the the proctors off their game, uh, yeah. which lets which kind of like lets the kids start their actual escape. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. After. Yeah, um, yeah. That's true. Uh, that is, yeah. They because they run off into the other to like change and you know pull the ants out of their pants and stuff. Yes. <laughs> and then like later that night, like because they're all like like exhausted from the uh, the ant attack. Uh, Jaina is able to like kind of kind of kind of like start the escape process. They, they start. Uh, th- this is also a little one of uh, Jason's uh, characterization moments where uh, the ants that Jason sent to bite the to bite the the uh, space Nazis get stomped, and he like mm-hmm. cries about it. Like he feel he feels deeply bad for the yeah. for every little ant that dies. Uh, yeah, and, because they didn't deserve to die, and yeah, yeah that's super. That's like super cute. Yeah, that's and that's that's like Jason's thing. Like he 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 just feels so much, man. I mean, I I don't want to I don't want to mock him. Like he, you know, he's a kid and stuff. Uh, it is kind of an interesting plot point because, like, I mean, spoilers if you haven't read that far in the future. But like, Jason falls to the dark side eventually because, yeah. like, he uh, because yeah, he's so emotional doesn't it did not learn the history the lesson of the Skywalker history and and cares too deeply about like protecting every <laughs> everything he can by gaining more power you'd think right. that someone would have warned him yeah be like hey uh maybe don't do this cuz like your grandpa uh was a thing mhm um but yeah so uh so then we uh you talked about these uh these aliens at the beginning of the book a little bit or the beginning of the episode um, yeah, these like weird tentacle aliens. Yeah, the, yeah. This planet only appears for like one scene, and it's mm-hmm. it, like the description for it is super weird. Yeah, they're like they go into this like uh, some some kind of like diplomats building. I can't remember exactly what uh, what the word was that they used, but like they're these like weird like giant like tentacle monsters, and they they also describe them as having like multiple prehensile trunks. Yeah, yeah, it's like a bunch of trunks and a pool that all yeah. rise up to uh, talk to them. Um, and it's like, specifically, they talk to this one person, the Indexer. 
uh, who has like kept records of like every basically every like slave that has been sold. Yeah, um, I, I, has, anyone like, who's called the indexer is not going to be a good guy. I mean, yeah, no, definitely not. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I'm willing to bet a fair amount of money on that. If you ever meet an indexer, <laughs> you know, it's just not going to be good news. But yeah, so like he uh, he like goes through like all of his all of his data to like find out uh, if is it are they looking for tigress at this point? Um, yeah, because okay, freaking what the heck is Ralau's species name? The Ferre- uh, Ferrario. Ferrario. Yeah, because there's no all the Ferrario their their species their planet got wiped out. All of them were on that one slave ship, and mm-hmm. the only one that was missing was her son. So if there's yes. a record of any slave transaction involving a Ferrario, that's going to be... Okay, yeah, they reveal it later. Like, well, wait, no, they already said this. Yeah, they already revealed this. It would be Tigris. If there's... Yeah, um, because we, we learned that uh, that uh, Raleo and Hethrer were, like, uh, Darth Vader's, like, like secret Sith trainees. And, uh, <clears throat> and he wanted them to have a... Uh, baby together because they were both like powerful in the force and so they have the baby but then like raleo is like like super not for being dark side because she doesn't like she doesn't agree like she doesn't want that well her power is to be good at healing people right (laughs) which is like super not dark side and and she's like darth and she's like darth vader was disappointed with my (laughs) ineffectively (laughs) evil applications of my superpower i'm like well (laughs) I'm not sure how many evil uses I could come up with for that. I mean, you can heal evil evil people with it, right? Like I, I guess that's true. Yeah, <laughs> but either way, like she she like has no desire to like be to like to use the dark side or to like she doesn't feel that pull. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so like basically like as punishment, like Hethra like like disowns her and like steals Tigress. Yeah. Um, so this, we this is also like we learn like that everything is starting to like like twine together. Um, I, I guess we didn't we didn't really mention this super strongly, but Tigris is like constantly following around Hethrer and is like really supplicatory. Like yes, like he is like super constantly trying to please Hethrer. Like really wants him to acknowledge him, and you know at. In the other plot line, we learn the dramatic irony that he's actually Hethra's son. Yeah, and that Hethra's treating his son like garbage because he's a real asshole. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he he's Space Hitler. Uh, he is space, space, he is space Hitler. Space Hitler too. Now with now with more Hitler. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and well, he he's only interested in Force sensitives uh, as. You know, with as part of the uh, he wants he wants to like create a core of force sensitives to be the new Empire Reborn, and yeah. uh, th- and Tigris is not force sensitive at all, which yeah. uh, <laughs> which is he is very disappointed in. Yeah, Hethra is super mad about. It sounds like Vader was like, oh, you guys had an unforce sensitive kiddo. Okay, whatever. Yeah, it seems <laughs> kind of seemed like Vader didn't really care. Yeah, he's like well, he just had like it this really weird little eugenics, his weird little eugenics project going on, and then that fell through. He's like, <laughs> fine, whatever. Um, but yeah, so so Indexer uh, basically tells him like, look, there were no public transactions made, but um, there was a private transaction made to Asylum Station or something. Uh, some 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 basically like sends them in the direction of Asylum Station. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, like halfway there, uh, Rolau tells. Uh, Leia that 
Asylum is another name for Crusay. Yes. Crusade. Uh, because Avril. everybody has to get to Crusade Station for the for the climax. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because also, uh, Hethrer has left with Anakin. Um, he is going to purify Anakin, is what they keep saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, by taking him to uh, to Asylum Station as well. Uh, so he has like this whole this whole big thing where like uh, there's like a there's like a like an Empire Reborn like conference, <laughs> which is like really weird and funny. Yeah, I got to thinking about this and like it really hit me when because there's a scene later on when they try to check into a hotel and like they're like um sorry all our rooms are reserved for a conference and I'm like yeah wow. An Sorry, e- all of our rooms are reserved by the KKK. An evil hidden space Nazi conference took over, <laughs> reserved every room at the Hotel Hilton. Yep. <laughs> Don't you just hate it when that happens? Right? It's the worst. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like we're, like, at, at this point in the book, like, we kind of just, like, hurtle along at breakneck, breakneck speed to the ending. Yeah, uh, there aren't that many more. Yeah, it was kind of flipping through my copy to see if we missed any like major development we didn't mention yeah, well, we, 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 we didn't mention uh escaping. mistress dragon it had been established yes. a little bit before this yeah uh the at the end of this like canyon that the kids play in um on their off days they are they are not allowed to to run or jump but uh they, yeah, they're, they're they, to walk around uh-huh th- there's like a little canyon and at the end if you go close to the this fence there's like I mean, they describe it like it looks like a wingless dragon, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, yeah, that com- that jumps out of the sand and like uh, you know roars really loud, and everyone's terrified of being eaten by it. But yeah, but Jason we, with his whole like being an animals thing, kind of yeah. like uh, like uh, gosh, what's the word? He like kind of like subdues her a little bit, like he he, he doctor doolittles his way into everyone riding on this dragon away, <laughs> which from- is really funny. <laughs> Away from the uh, the the uh, the Nazi camp, yes. and they they all like ride off into the forest to try and hide from the uh, the Proctors. Yeah, and I think this is also like I think I think it's like kind of like been referenced a couple of times, but this is like also where we learn that it's like they are on. We I think we knew that they were on an artificial planet, but uh, this is where they keep they use the word world craft a lot from here on out. Yeah, yeah, which is interesting because like. I mean, I assume this is the same project that the the same sort of thing that the Death Star is, right? Yeah, it's just yeah, instead I mean, of Death Star is more or less that, right? Instead of having a big laser in it, it's just you know they they put it's dirt the planet. they put dirt on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's like Star Killer Base. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but no. yeah, so like uh, Star Killer Base kind of like lead the kids me. on this like daring escape. Um. Where they like they like like crawl through uh, like some some brush and stuff, and then there's also this like really uh, we, this is also when we find out that Jason uh, has also a bat from Mundo Mundo Kodru, <laughs> which like just like the most like convenient like uh, Deus Ex Machina <laughs> of all time. Yeah, the, but this bat is both like like really like really uh, really helpful and like finds them like. A way, a place to hide. Yeah. The, this is the point in the the RPG campaign where the, he needed to cast summon nature's ally in order to investigate something for him because he couldn't just walk <laughs> over and do it himself. So he's got right. another animal companion in addition to the already established ones. Yeah. 
Uh, Jason is a druid, and <laughs> he has multiple animal companions. He does. He does. Uh, but yeah, so like as the kids like are able to, I actually really like the whole like the whole bit where um, Jason like goes running toward this tree that the bat has found and like falls into some quicksand basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is a pretty dramatic scene actually. I like this one. Yeah, it is. And like it's it's cool how like all the kids like like band together to like help help pull him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason and, then, and Jaina as the main characters have the best force powers, so they they like slow down the molecules at the top of this quicksand pool and freeze a little path over it, so yeah. that they can all run across this quicksand thing to the this tree that they they can be safe in. Yeah, there's a, there's this like big tree with like a hollow. It's like hollowed out or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they they get in there, and then like uh, shortly after they get in there, like the proctors uh, find them. Or find where they went, and like, I love how like they're like running across this uh, this icy bridge that Jaina has made, and she just like drops her her hold on it, yeah, J- and they all just like fall into the quicksand. <laughs> uh, Jason is not a high enough level druid to apply pass without trace to the entire party, so they have been leaving a trail behind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this got real nerdy real fast. Yeah, that's, that's good. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, like so, like as, also as soon as that happens, like Leia comes flying in yeah at a super convenient timing right as they're like cornered (laughs) at the top of this tree (laughs) uh avid listeners if you remember to uh if you remember back to episode one uh with jeremy jeremy and i talking about the uh how convenient like everyone everyone shows up right when the plot demands that they do (laughs) uh this is a hundred percent the case in this book to be fair, she like they they established that the reason that Leia was able to like find them is because Hethra's gone, so they can like call to her with the Force, like she yes, can feel them yeah. with the Force again, so she can find them, yeah. like which only just happened. So like yeah, there true. is a reason that it's happening now, <laughs> but like it's it is super convenient. <laughs> it is super convenient. <laughs> but yeah, so so Leia like kind of rescues she rescues all the kids, and then they also. I like that, like, uh, that, uh, I can't remember if it was one of the kids that wanted to do this or if it was Leia, just Leia wanting to do it. Like, that they they also, like, rescue the Proctors. Yeah, well, that's the, I, I really like these, this next uh, couple scenes that happen because the kids are, are basically all like, like, I mean, mom, those are, those are like concentration camp space Nazi, you know, overseers uh yeah. we we i don't want to help them and she's like yeah. we we can't do that she's like we yeah, have we to can't offer compassion die. to we we can't let them die they are also kids like they they're 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 like teens is the idea yeah yeah they're like they're like indoctrinated teens but they're just yeah you're right they're just like they're kids yeah and she's like i'm not i'm not gonna let a bunch of teens die just because you know mm-hmm. they were jerks and uh, so they they basically take over this uh, like the the camp that the the kids were kept in. They f- they pull out the cook and the cook uh, the cook has a bit where he's like, ah, "I'll serve the proctors the you know rancid crap that I they made me serve the kids." And Leia's like, "Hold on a minute, we're better than that. Yeah, everyone's going to get real food. Yeah, because but she does also like kind of like just lock them are. in the holding cells." Yeah, yeah. She also locks them in the holding cells, but she's like, <laughs> "We're we're not going to be inhumane, like you know." Yeah, everyone and is do, do everyone also, is treated like a, with human dignity here. Yeah, and doesn't R two? I can't remember if it's R two. Uh, doesn't someone like like basically like leashes the world craft to them as well, right? So that it would follow them. 
is that it? No, they uh, they send they send the uh, they send this worldcraft to Munto Kodru. Right, right, right. It was they, they just didn't want it to be where it was so that Hethra couldn't come back and find it. Yeah, yeah. The um, the uh, okay. Yeah, at the end when yeah, it's, when it's, it's they need to station. get Cursei Kurse Station out of where it is, yes. it's like oh, this one's also a worldcraft. We'll have this <laughs> one come with us. Yeah, how convenient. Well, I mean, it's it's a space station, so that makes more sense, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, so then they're uh, then, then uh, everybody's off to uh, to Cursei Station. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're we're getting everybody there. There's we're like a there's like a big sense of relaxation. I mean, I, I felt the tension release when Leia's like has Jason and Jaina again, and it's like, yeah. <sighs> you know, um, the, like she's still worried about finding Anakin, and uh, Ralau is like, you know, still needs to find her kid. So. Yeah, she's still looking for her kid. So they're they're off on they're they're off to uh, Crusade Station to try to find Anakin. There's still tension in play, but like we've been seeing Jaina's narration of like her horrible, ex- like an incredibly scarring experience for a five year old. We've mm-hmm. been you know seeing that up till this point, so it's like a really <laughs> big relief to be like, thank God those kids are safe. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's see. Um, we didn't. What? So the next, uh, next is when we get like, uh, like Luke, like, like wanting to go, or like we we see Han, like, uh, we see Han, like, seeing Luke talking to Waru, right? Is that the next thing? Does that happen? I think so. Yeah, 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 because like this is where like Luke is like revealed that he is Luke Skywalker to Waru. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, okay. I think before that, there's some more scenes of uh, Tigris being nice to Anakin. Because, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there. Though, the reason you probably didn't mention this is because there have been like four of these scenes now. There, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of scenes of Tigris being nice to Anakin and his uh, dad, who I remind you is named Off-Brand Hitler, is like <laughs> being kind to children disappoints me. And like he's like, oh, why can't I? Why can't I please Space Hitler? Yeah, and there's also like, isn't it like right before this is when, um, like when they're on their way to Crusade Station uh, is when Hethler like tells Tigris, oh, like you're you 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 can sleep in my room basically. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think he says you can sleep at my door, but yeah. yeah. And uh, so, uh, and then like in the middle of the night, like Tigris hears Anakin like crying or something, and like he goes to goes to take care of him and Heather is like super mad at him after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, I revoke your privilege to sleep at my door. Yeah. Like what a dick. <laughs> like he, he like walks in on like Anakin eating some food and he's like, what is this? A picnic or something? Uh huh. Like get yeah. out of here. Yeah. Seriously. Why do you have to be such a jerk space Hitler? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like the, the whole thing, like with Tigris being nice to Anakin is more or less just like, trying to characterize him as being like not just uh total total subservient to space nazi space hitler yeah i mean yeah that's kind of like the theme here is the like you know the like the fascist oppression the fast fascist oppression does not like crush the basic humanity out of these children like you know yeah they still have some compassion even if they're totally bought into this ideology basically right <laughs> Which is, you know, maybe a little optimistic, but it's good from a narrative perspective. Yeah, it wor- it works for the book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so then we then then we get the Waru thing. 
with Luke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like like this is where like we get like the kind of like the the climax of of Waru's like kind of siren song on Luke is that Luke is like ready to submit himself to Waru before Han walks in on them. Mhm. And like Luke is like ready to just like let Waru eat him basically and Han's like, "Uh no, this isn't happening." <laughs> yeah, Han's like, "That's that's a bad plan, buddy." <laughs> uh I I I told you I saw it eat a kid, right? Do you remember that? Yep. <laughs> And I actually like I really like like I, I I really like a lot of the the like scenes with Luke and Han, but like this one specifically, like it's like it's nice to see like them being like like it's not, I guess it's what I'm what I'm trying to say is it's nice to see Han caring like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Luke. I mean they've ass- <sighs> okay, yeah, because Luke is rarely vulnerable is the thing. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't. He doesn't really need to get taken care of by other characters very often because he's the most powerful person in this setting. But, uh, yeah, yeah, to have... And Han even has a moment where he's like, Luke looks, like, really sick. He doesn't get sick. Right. And uh, he's, like, seriously concerned about it. And, you know, he's worried about what to do, but is, you know, firmly decided that, um, you know, letting him get eaten by the evil space... Eldritch Abomination is not the right strategy. Like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> that one's let's throw that right out the window. That's not a good option. Yeah, and I can't remember if it, if it was is it like right after this that Han sees Anakin, you know, like Anakin, like Tigris carrying Anakin. I think Javeri shows up first. I think, or maybe maybe she doesn't. But yeah, Anakin. Yeah, a- uh, Anakin. Uh, Okay, they already had the they already had the scene we mentioned earlier where they tried to check back into the hotel and they're like, "Sorry, okay, yeah, the KKK yeah. reserved every room." <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, uh, we've already had that. And then they go back to uh, that's when he goes back to Waru's place and uh, the Empire Reborn Conference is like filed into Waru's amphitheater area. Yes. And, and uh, Hethru is like presenting Anakin uh-huh. basically as as a a gift to to Waru. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this he, is where we find out that like Waru is basically like uh, he he is not only like he not only can he like consume the force energy of beings, uh, he can also like kind of give that energy to other beings. Yeah, yeah. They say it like a strength. He he can like use his powers to strengthen someone's connection with the force, yeah. which is what Hethra wants to have done to him. He he yes. wants to have his force powers strengthened. Yeah. This is and so, this so is a like, plot point in like a Anakin. few. It's always weird to me when this is uh, brought up as a plot point in uh, Star Wars stuff because they do this in uh, the Jedi Outcast games too. There's like mm-hmm. a valley that you can go to and just like stand in a laser and it makes you better at the Force. <laughs> it, it's all. It's always a weird plot point to me because I mean the Force is like this weird philosophical mysticism thing. Like. Yeah. It doesn't seem like you should be able to find a MacGuffin to make you better at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a video game if there wasn't a MacGuffin that can make you better at it. Yeah, clearly, clearly. I mean, I mean, not, not that that excuses this book, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it, I I kind of give I kind of give Waru a pass because he's like this weird extra dimensional being, like. You know, yeah. This is like a one and done. Like they they don't repeat this. It's not like a recurring thing. It's just a weird thing that happens this one time. So yeah, it, it gets it gets off in my book just for you know <laughs> being strange and unique. 
Uh, okay, so let's see. Okay, we are getting pretty close to the end of the novel at this yeah, point. Yeah, we get, uh, I think this is, uh, we, we get basically, like, get, like, Tigris, uh, we, we get, like, the whole, like, Tigris's, like, redemption moment here. Um, yeah. As, as Hether is, like, presenting Anakin to Waru, uh, Anakin is, like, really upset about it, and, uh, and so, like, Tigris, like, basically, like, runs and, like, rescues him, like, pulls him away. Yeah, it's like, uh, feeding babies to eldritch gods is, uh, not what I signed up for. Yeah. Uh, that, that is even a step too far for him. <laughs> and then we get, like, the whole, like, we get a reunion with, uh, Leia and Han are finally back together. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah. then we, like, like at this point, like, the whole family is back together, and we have this, like, kind of, like, little little fight. Yeah, everyone shows up right outside Waru's amphitheater, and, like, they kind of, like, exchange the plot with each other real quick. They're like, the kids are <laughs> yeah. in there, we gotta, like, Anakin's in there, we gotta, we gotta frickin' go. We, we gotta go. Yeah. And, um, uh, and then Hethra, see, Hethra like, is like, son, I'm very disappointed in you for not feeding babies to space <laughs> monsters. Give me that baby right now. <laughs> um and this is like uh we, we kind of brushed over this earlier i don't think we even mentioned it um one of the ways that hether like like tests uh his students or whatever like to see if they're worthy of being part of the empire youth is his lightsaber is like designed so that uh you can only ignite it by touching it with the force like you complete the circuit with the force yeah uh which is a really stupid MacGuffin. um <laughs> uh, but <laughs> He, uh, he it, does it, not it like practicality. Uh, a button killed his mother, and he's <laughs> he's been mad at buttons ever since. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it pays off here uh, by he is unable to ignite his lightsaber because uh, both Waru and the the residents of the Crystal Star are like affecting the the Force. Yeah, um, it, it, it so pays he off tries in to that his lightsaber that uh, like explodes in his hand. Yeah, it, it pays off in that we end a Star Wars novel without a lightsaber fight. Yeah, there were no lightsaber <laughs> fights in this book. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> um, but, so, so instead of eating Anakin, uh, Waru gets to eat Hetherer. Uh, well, bef- wait, he doesn't oh, eat, he- yeah. There's no, the, uh, You're right. You're right. before he, so Anakin gets snatched away, uh, Luke, uh, and Luke throw like, throws himself at, at, uh, Waru, is like, okay, yes. you can have me then. And, yep. um... So Luke, and then like Luke is in this like weird gold soup that the guy that uh that makes up Waru's insides. Leia mm-hmm. jumps in after him, and then Han jumps in after her, and Which they're all like, <laughs> like, okay, Han, like both, uh, like all of your kids are standing right here, and like <laughs> both your wife and your brother-in-law are in this this goo. Like maybe like let them take care of it and. <laughs> If they can't take care of it, like at least your par- at least your kids still have one parent. No, it's okay. He tells Chewbacca to watch the kids. He tells, <laughs> That's true. He tells Chewbacca to watch the kids. It's fine. <laughs> that just that struck me as a, like a really irresponsible parenting moment. I mean, it uh, it is it is pretty strong narratively because they get to have this moment where they all like you know band together against like you know yeah. the the pulling forces of darkness and you know they describe like the the well at the bottom of waru that they're getting sucked into is like the accretion disc on the black hole which yes. is you know a cool parallel there. um but also like like it's also like it's a power of love ending right like where, yeah uh it, it is it is the kids calling out to yeah, uh, yeah the kids call out on. 
the kids call out to Luke and it like, you know, breaks his hypnotism and then yeah. they all fight their way out of Waru's like weird gold goo together. Yeah. And uh flop uh fl- yeah, they like flop out on the ground. I imagine <laughs> like covered in gold goo. <laughs> and uh yeah, Waru's like, "Well, crap. Last guy." Yeah. Goes and eats hit goes and eats space Hitler. Yeah, and, like, he, so, then we, I, I can't remember, like, if it's right here, but, like, we kind of get, like, this reveal that, like, Waru just wants to get back to his home world, like, to his home universe. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, like, his whole thing, like, that's why he's eating, eating force powers, like, gain power to go back to his home universe, and, like, eating Hethrer, like, is enough for him, like, he goes back, like, he, they get, they give this whole, like, description of, like, how he shrinks down into nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, like, like, lets him open a portal to the... Uh, this is when they bring in the. I think this is about the time they mention that he comes from a world of anti force or yeah. something like that. <laughs> which is, you know, I'm kind of into that idea, but on the other end, yeah, like, you know, I, I see yeah, why no one like, ever brought it like, up again. As, like, if if Waru, like, presumably Waru knows, like, how powerful Hethrer is because he's been giving him more power, like, why didn't he just eat him a long time ago? <laughs> Well, because then there wouldn't be any plot to the like, novel, Brian. What, like Chris, like, uh, why didn't he just like eat? Why didn't he, l- listen? If you have a chance to go back in time and kill baby space Hitler, <laughs> would you do it? You um, only got one shot, one chance yes. to shine. Yes, I would kill that baby. <laughs> um, uh, but. Yeah, there's, it, it is kind of a, it is a bit of a plot hole, like, you know. Yeah. They established this is Waru's only motivation. He could have easily fulfilled the motivation with no, and, like, there's no reason that he wouldn't have. Right. So, like, it's, I, I mean, it's he, not like he is, was, like, like an, getting his jollies off by, like, by, like, helping the space Hitler start the Empire Youth. I mean, maybe he just enjoyed being a jerk? I mean, I, I don't know. I they they do. They do kind of imply that, like, he's he's pretty evil, so, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he, he's definitely super evil. Yeah. But he's super evil, and, like, I, I feel like he's, like, he's less, like, villainous and more evil in the, like, the uncaring, like, evil of of the world way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, he's, like, a universal force in a way that is, like, a little uncommon in Star Wars. Like, Star yeah. Wars narratives are usually propelled by the actions of people. Yes. And this is like a universal force in like a weird way. And yeah. the fact that he's like this weird outer space god, I think is supposed to kind of make us glance past the fact that his actions don't really line up with his motivations. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they pretty thoroughly explain him to us. So, yeah, it doesn't quite work. But yeah, so then uh, <clears throat> then we kind of like get everybody is like reunited and happy. Um and then R two comes rolling up, and he's like, "Oh, by the way, this station's gonna explode. Are you gonna gonna explode because <laughs> yeah. the stars, the crystal star is about to explode?" Yeah, they're like, "Oh, we we're, we're nearing the end of the book. It's it's time on the the Campbell Circle. It's time for the magic flight. Let's <laughs> let's get our magic flight on." Yep. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> they all uh, they all hop in spaceships and have like a you know a happy reunions while they fly their way out of here. Uh, Luke gives yeah. some exposition about what exactly was going on the whole time, why the force was acting so weird, and this is kind of when he like sums like he tells the rest of the characters what was going on with Ethrer, not not mm-hmm. Ethrer with with Waru with but, Waru, yeah, yeah. I mean, no one. It, what was going on with Ethrer wasn't really in question. He was he was space Hitler. 
Yeah. So they uh they they, uh, they hop in their ships and then like R two is like randomly gone. Um, and then then he comes he comes rolling back and he's like, uh, by the way, I figured out that this was also a ship, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's also it's also gonna fly away so that all the people on the station don't die too. Which is good, yeah, because they do bring up like, um, we should probably evacuate everyone we can because you know people live here and th- it is about to explode. Yeah, uh, Chris, I have a question for you. Uh huh. What? How many people would have died in this book if it wasn't for R two D two? Um. I mean, they say it's a fairly small colony, but, like, there's... The the environments like, they describe have to, like... I, I imagine there had to... They had to support quite a population in order to, like, that effort to be worth it. I'm guessing at least thousands. I mean, Anakin Solo definitely would have died. Because R2-D2 is the entire reason that Leia even went after the kids. <laughs> That's true. Like, R2-D2 is, like, the... The impetus for this entire plot, more or less. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, if the if yeah, if Leia hadn't been there, they wouldn't had enough. Uh, their love stat wouldn't have gone up enough in order to <laughs> cross that flag for Luke to come out of Waru right before right, yeah. the the climax. The, uh, the, the sword wouldn't have burst out of Luke's chest. <laughs> and that's uh, a, that's yeah, a reference. <laughs> That was a oh Scott Pilgrim. Okay, I thought we were doing Utsna for a minute there, but yeah, swords burst out of people's chests and several things. It's true. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, so then we uh, we R two is like, the, the big damn hero. Yeah, it turns out it turns out R two is the big damn hero. <laughs> um, and then we uh, we kind of just like get the uh, we, we get the ships and the uh, station kind of fly off to Munto Kodru. Mm-hmm. Oh um. This is something we didn't bring up at all, uh, but we had the, uh, the, the when the kids got kidnapped. Also, the Chamberlain, we've gone this Kodru, his ch- his child or his uh, his werewolf got kidnapped. We've gone this whole novel without mentioning werewolves. I know, and I feel really bad about it because it's a really dumb revelation that happens at the very end of the book. It's super weird. Uh, okay, um, this feels really Doctor Who-y to me. You see it, yes. right? Like this yeah, is such a Doctor Who moment. Yes, um, we find out that these these werewolves are basically like the the nascent stages of Kojuji like children. Like they, they like metamorphose, me, 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 yeah, they metamorphose from these like like six legged like like wolf creatures into cocoons, like, little like not yeah not human but like people. Uh huh. And and. uh I guess that implies that every every day on Munto Kodru is take your daughter to work day. Yeah, because they just treat these like the werewolves are just pets. Yeah, they just hang out with them while the, everyone's doing their jobs in the and every time we're on Munto Kodru. It's so weird. Uh it is a really irrelevant rele- revelation. Yep. I mean, it does add like, some oh, flavor the to the universe. Will have a new but, daughter or son when we get back. I, I okay. It, it does. I mean, the weird thing about it is, like, wait a minute. Shouldn't the Chamberlain have been like freaking out a little bit more? Then? Well, I guess, like, you know, he's used to these ritual kidnappings, right? Yeah, that's the thing. Is is like it doesn't actually recontextualize his feelings at all because, like, no, he was still being kind of a condescending jerk either way. Yeah. I don't know. The the entire werewolf thing, like, I don't hate it. It's just, like, it's irrelevant. It doesn't, 
it, it does add some interesting flavor to the universe. Like, I, I like Star Wars as, like, a universe where anything can happen. Yeah, for Ra- sure. Rather- like, I, I like weird stuff. It just, like, it just, like, comes out of nowhere, and, like, they could have, like, done so much more with it. And I don't think these things are ever brought up in any Star Wars Yeah, it's super out of, again. it's super out of flavor with, like, anything else that happens. Mm-hmm. I, I, okay, like, just weird, weird, so like, weird personal soapbox for a minute. Like, I... I don't like the conception of Star Wars as a universe where a new hope happens and then a new hope just happens over and over and over and over again because I feel like that's what Star that's what like some of the expanded universe is and that's kind mm-hmm. of what Star Wars is to some people um yeah. that's kind of what Force Awakens is Sure. Uh, like, I like it more as a world where just weird crap can randomly happen, like, you know, elder gods showing up or dogs being people for some reason. But th- this is super <laughs> weird. It's it's just weird. It's just, it, yeah. it isn't relevant at all. It didn't tie into the story at all. It's a weird element. Yeah, like, I, th- I think I talked about this a little bit uh, on the last episode, but, like... I, what, what I'm most interested in with uh, Star Wars going forward is, like, getting away from the Skywalker saga and just, like, having stories in this big, weird universe. Yeah. I mean, I was I was basically fine with the Skywalker saga as, like, a story about a guy who was the inheritor of, like, an old philosophy but had to rebuild it because it was in, it was, like inherently broken and had to like mm-hmm. remake he had to like remake that himself like i really like that aspect of the the post jedi fiction yeah but i mean that's, that's kind of the implication of where the last jedi is going to right yeah i hope trailer. so it, it's okay we're, we're talking about force awakens then it's still <laughs> it still bugs me that like you know the the reveal of force awakens is that like all your heroes failed and sucked mm-hmm. <laughs> That's that still yeah, bugs me yeah. a little bit. I can yeah, I can totally understand that. But uh okay. But yeah, we're, werewolves are weird is the point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as 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 we stated at the beginning of the episode and as our we were very strong throughout the entire uh podcast, uh werewolves are weird. Yeah, they're super weird. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I was like I was really um I, I was really interested to go back to this book because, like, I had only read it once previously, and it was years and years ago. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, I I still kind of knew it by reputation. And so it was interesting to go back. And I think I come down on it a little, like, I, I think you liked it more than I did uh, on the reread. But I think I, I, I definitely have stronger, like, I have more positive feelings about it now than I would have before I reread it. I I think it's really, I really like to to go back to... Um, I mean, I brought up the Campbell thing. Like, we're going back to these characters that when we're introduced to them in the original trilogy are super archetypical. Like, we're we're seeing these people's lives. They're, you know, they basically, they had this this one big conflict. They were, you know, they're, they're heroes forever. They, you know, accomplished their journey and all that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, fade off into the sunset, never to be heard from again. I I like that when we do hear from them again, their lives aren't static i like that they i like that they grow older that they grow that their conflicts become more internal that they they have that you know i I mean these are people who like saved the universe but they're still a little unsure of what how they can best uh 
ap- apply their energy to helping the world. Like, yeah. uh, it, that, that's, and that's why this is like really doesn't feel like a star Wars novel. Like having, like having a bunch of like old people who are insecure about <laughs> what they want to do with their lives is like, that's not really a star Wars plot line, <laughs> but yeah. I kind of like that. It could be, I like a lot that it could be. Yeah, yeah, like, like I, I think, like, I definitely, like, I, I, I came into this, like, not, you know, I, I try to not, let, like, let my preconceptions, and specifically, like, the internet's preconceptions affect the way that I come into uh, any of these books, but, like, I definitely came into this, like, a little, like, and, like, I, I, I really appreciated that, like, you picked this for your book, <laughs> uh, because this is not something that I, this is not a book that I would have ever assigned anyone, uh, because some... Sometimes uh, people come to me, like, basically the way that, that I schedule this is, uh, what, parting the kimono a little bit. Uh, but when people come to me to be on this podcast, like, if they have Expanded Universe, like, foreknowledge, like, I will let them just, like, I, I just let you pick whatever you wanted. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas, like, with uh, my other guests, like, I, I kind of just ask them what they like about Star Wars, and then I pick something that I think they might like based on that. <laughs> my other two suggestions were hammer out exactly why the Yuuzhan Vong sucks so much, or <laughs> talk about what is good and bad about the Jedi Academy trilogy. <laughs> yeah, and I, like, I, uh, I, I think that we, we talked about this a little bit before the podcast, but I think the, uh, the, the Jedi Academy trilogy is definitely something that we're going to come to at some point. I, yeah, I, I think that could be some real fun. Yeah, um, I will. Uh, I, I will uh, po- post a little link uh, about that, like in the show notes or whatever. <laughs> but like, there's de- there's definitely some interesting stuff uh, that we are talking about for the future. Because uh, okay, yeah, the Jedi Academy. That's Kevin J. Anderson, and like yes. the Star Wars novel I remember is the worst. Apparently, other people remember different ones is the worst. Dark Saber is terrible. Like I Dark remember Saber's that novel being really bad. <laughs> like. <laughs> And, uh, that's, that's an Anderson one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I, the way I remember it is a significant step down from the Jedi Academy trilogy. <laughs> yeah. And the Jedi Academy trilogy is generally considered pretty poor. <laughs> it so. does have the Sun Crusher, which is like they, a Mary Sue Death Star. <laughs> yeah. It's literally a Death Star that is the size of a personal spaceship. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I came up with that one. It's a Death Star, except it can blow up whole solar systems uh, this time. No, yeah. And also, you can't hurt it. And also, all the boys want to date it. Uh, <laughs> the, the Sun Crusher is really lame. It's bad. Yep, it's it's bad. I'm right there with you. But yeah, I really enjoy. I really enjoyed revisiting this one. Uh, yeah, me too. I don't know what this would have been like if you had given this to someone who did not have any experience with the Star Wars expanded universe. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that I ever would have. Like to be perfectly honest with you, <laughs> that would have been a weird experience for them, wouldn't it? It, it would have been. It probably would have been a really like interesting episode for a different reason than this. This turned out to be interesting. Well, I'm glad that you thought it was interesting. I feel yeah. flattered. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm glad that you ch- that you uh, you were able to come on and do this with me. It was very fun. It was a good time. Um, it was a good time. And uh, why don't we uh, why don't we go ahead and do some wrap up? So why don't you uh, tell people that are listening to this where they can find you on the internet? Uh, if you want to find me on the internet, I'd recommend just following me. I'm at uh, Wormuth Y. That's spelled W Y R M W I T H W H Y. I I do occasionally do podcasts and stuff. You know. Yeah, you have you have a podcast, don't you? Uh, kind of, sorta, yeah. I mean, you can talk about it. 
I'm uh, it, it's stuck in editing hell right now. <laughs> I will post if you would like to follow me. I will be uh, I will post about it when I make some progress on it. All right, that'll work. So yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at Wade Brian R. Uh, you can find the podcast on Twitter at LukeCast. That's Luke with eight U's. Uh, <laughs> you can also just go to the website, which is expandeduniverse.online, and basically everything that you need to find is there. Um, you can... Uh, gosh, I don't remember what I was saying. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think I already said that, said that part. Uh, anyway, uh, I want to thank DJ AG for the use of our theme song, which is a remix of John Williams' Binary Sunset. It's very good. And... I think on that note, there is just one final thing to say. May the force be with you. May the force be with you, Chris. Hey, <laughs> I'm the one, I'm the person who knows what, to, I, yeah. I know what to do when you're signing off in Star Wars stuff. <laughs> yeah, you listen, you listen to the podcast, you know what's up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right, that was, that was good. Do we want to cut it there? Uh, yeah, whatever. Okay, stop right now.